Hey, welcome to episode 36 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we hung out with Meng To, author of Design Plus Code and several other like sketch resources and things like that. Um, he's made some awesome stuff to help people learn how to code and design. And we think that that's pretty awesome. So we're very happy to have him on the show. A couple things before we get into this episode. Uh, we are still up for nominations on the Net Awards for Podcast of the Year. So if you head to designdetails.fm, uh, there's a banner along the top where you can vote for us. We really love your support. If you've already voted for us, uh, share with your friends or online. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. So thank you to everyone who has done that already. And of course, we can't get into the episode without first thanking our awesome sponsors. Our first one for this show is Icon Finder. Icon Finder, as you know, is the best way to find icons for your design projects. Whether you're working on an iPhone app or a website, Icon Finder has every icon imaginable. You go to iconfinder.com, you search for whatever you might need, say a map icon, and it's going to return tons of results with all different styles and formats. It's going to work in any application you use, so whether that's Sketch or Photoshop or Illustrator. They come in SVGs, PNGs, JPGs. It is the ultimate resource for icons. The, the other cool thing about Icon Finder is that they pay back 70% of their revenue to the designers who are making these icons. So whenever you support Icon Finder, you're also supporting the community of designers crafting awesome icons. So go to iconfinder.com and sign up for Icon Finder Pro. It's a monthly subscription service. It's not very expensive. And if you use the promo code ROBOT, that will tell them that we sent you there and they will give you 50% off your first month of Icon Finder Pro. Huge thanks to Icon Finder. Our second sponsor is once again Adobe. Um, they just released their 2015 edition of CC, which is hugely different. It massively improved. Huge improvements, yes. Yeah, they've added multiple instances of layer styles, which is crazy. Uh, Mark Edwards did a, a big piece on what you can do with them, and it's insane. He did a whole illustration all in one layer using just layer styles. It's incredible. Uh, you can easily add up to 10 instances of select layer styles, including drop shadows, gradient overlays, color overlays, inter inner shadows and strokes, to a layer or a layer group, and then re-edit any style at any time. So they're all live, no more rasterizing effects or stacking different layer groups. Uh, ah, that's so nice. Oh I know, right? <laughs> Live effects. So needed. One that I've been waiting on for a while that I'm really excited to finally made it in, the glyph panel. Uh, I actually used to keep Illustrator open just so I could pull like glyphs from their character palettes in. And now that's finally in Photoshop. That's super exciting. You can view all the available glyphs in a font and the alternative for the currently selected glyphs, which is insane. There's also tons of other great features uh, for polishing images and creating really awesome UIs. So check out the new Photoshop and Adobe CC in general, uh, the entire creative the design space. Dude, design space looks so, so good. You, you have to actually go in and uh, choose to preview that, that new mode, but it, it feels like it's just built for interaction designers for like mobile and web and it's incredible. Like it really is like a, a display of what the future is. Yes, and that's, that's a technology preview right now, but you can test it uh, in the new Photoshop CC. So thank you so much to Adobe for sponsoring this episode. Go to adobe.com and check out Creative Cloud Suite 2015. Yeah, we'll have a link directly to their what's new in Photoshop page in, uh, in the show notes because it's really worth seeing. Thank you, Adobe. And with that, let's get into episode 36 with Meng To. Yeah, so what are you working on right now? So right now I'm just working on myself, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, it's quite a huge shift that I'm going through, and uh, it's the end of my two years of travel around the world. 
And, uh, you know, I'm looking to settle in Canada and buy a condo, you know, settle and uh, be near family because uh, we're expecting a child. And that's going to be the next adventure. But that being said, we're still going to, you know, I still want to work and I still mm-hmm. want to figure out how to, you know, continue helping people, um, you know, learn iOS and learn a bunch of things that I'm going through, such as, you know, design and building products and maybe eventually I want to talk more about you know how to build a successful product because I feel that that's kind of a, like a lot of missing uh, topics out there for designers right like how do you build a product and make it successful and how does do you make it resonate with the people that you're building it for and how do you make a revenue out of it and how can you travel and still make money while traveling it's, it's not easy, and it's something that I, I feel like a lot of designers can use. Has that helping people, helping other people create content been a focus for you for a long time, or has it been kind of a recent development? Helping people create content? Yeah, like, like help, helping people. products? Yeah, exactly. I guess it started when I started writing about Sketch two years ago or three years ago, and it's stuck ever since. I mean, I'm not new, per se, to, like, community building because like my first startup startup I mean back in the day we didn't call it a startup it was more like a small company that sometimes you do freelancing for and sometimes you build a product for and in my case I will be, I was building a community for designers and we had like 50,000 designers like 50, uh, 12 years ago what was that called shadowness uh, it sounds dark, but <laughs> shadow Sha- shadowness, yeah. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, one of the wasn't that your website for a long time? Yes, it still is, and uh, I actually have to close it this year. But have to? Yes, have to because I have to focus on uh, what I'm passionate about today, which is more about design. But back in the day, I started as a graphic designer. Okay. Right. I used to love the Matrix. I used to love games. I used to love StarCraft, and all my inspiration was basically about graphics, about, you know, immersive experience and flash and, you know, animations and sounds. So, you know, I, I, I designed a lot of wallpapers. That's what we call, we, we call them, like wallpapers. And then people took those designs and they put them on as the background of their computers. And I got really popular uh, thanks to that. And and that's when I decided to create a community and build tutorials and help people learn how to create this really cool stuff. And so, you know, that was kind of my first time building a community. And, you know, but the the problem is I never got to learn how to make money. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's, a, audience, that's an important but... piece. Yeah, I had the audience, but I didn't know how to make money. And so um, I started an office and then we had a bunch of employees and we started like as simple, you know, a simple company. We we try to figure out like how do we get subsidies from you know the government? Maybe the government can help us, and how can we maybe make some money like as if like but for doing client work, mm-hmm. which of course it's not for everyone. It's like really really hard to work. <laughs> client work is really <laughs> difficult. Really really difficult because oftentimes you're not passionate about it, and mm-hmm. also. Especially 15 years ago, people just didn't give a shit about, you know, good design. So mm-hmm. some of them would pay 50 bucks and some of them would pay 500 bucks and some of them would pay and, you know, 
though those would be like the the very unlikely clients would pay more than a thousand dollars wow yeah times have changed yeah. you can get a little bit better than that now yes occasionally I, I assume. <laughs> especially in this market right. that's been good it's been it feels like the public understanding of design has or appreciation of design has significantly increased especially in the past couple of years here yes, which is really absolutely awesome and i think a lot of that has happened from mobile design especially um people now everyone is seeing applications it feels like before people were just like a lot of people were using pcs especially and the thing they used the most was like microsoft word yes. like they, they didn't care that they just thought that was the default and now that everyone has phones and tons of apps yeah big difference yeah, and uh, I, I really think that the shift um, from the iPhone, um, you know, with the, the introduction of the iPhone, people really started appreciating um, design and technology in general become, became less and less scary because back in the day, you know, technology and websites and stuff like that were really for geeks, mm-hmm. and people who live on the computer and live with games. But nowadays you can have like anyone, any member of your family use technology and that's that really made the whole, you know, experience uh, a lot, a whole lot more important to design for. Mm-hmm. I want to dig a little bit more into like your backstory, how you got started with the design and code stuff. Sure. Um, but I'm curious now, like that you've been doing this for so long. Like, what are the, what are the latest things happening in design or or development that you're really excited about? As of today. Yeah. Okay. So uh, obviously the watch is really, really exciting right now because of the, the, the wearable technology and the, the sensors. And um, it's, it's, there's also another shift that not a lot of people are talking about, especially designers. And that shift is that we have a ton more pro users nowadays. We have a ton more designers coming in and new developers who's never done web before. We've got a ton new... Uh, so these people, you know, Silicon Valley in itself is exploding, but exploding, you know, and the pieces are scattered everywhere in the world. So if you go to any of these cities, and I've, I've kind of experienced that firsthand, you can see that all of these cities that used to be very traditional and very like design agency oriented, now it's exploding into, you know, more like Silicon Valley, which is about product design, which is about, you know, doing your own shit. Right. Right. And, and. And because of that, we're going to see a shift in having a lot more designers and developers who have enough money to pay for tools and enough money to pay for, you know, pro, you know, not like business, like B2B, but more like um, pro consumers. Right. Like someone who's able to buy a MacBook Pro, for example, versus an iPad. So we're going to see more and more of those people and therefore... Sketch is doing, um, I assume, is doing really well thanks to that. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at Envision, Definitely. if you look at Pixate, those tools are doing really well thanks to that. And even Slack, I, I, I believe, is the even more exa- uh, bigger example where they're like a billion-dollar company already in like a few, in less than a year. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's and that's insane. because there's this explosion of, you know, pro-consumers. Well, then that's a really good thing for you, right? Because for the book, and that's just <laughs> yeah, an, I mean, that's what, an I, insane I, market for you. Yeah, It's an insane market for everyone here, I believe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for anyone who's not familiar, can you just talk about your books and the, the services and products that you sell and create? Sure. So Design Plus Code is, um, is a book about kind of marry, marrying design and code. So there's not a lot of content out there that, that speaks in length about, you know, how does a designer 
take his design her, or her design and make it, you know, uh, work beyond the static design. So, you know, we talk, I talk about animations, but more importantly, I, I really saw a big need to talk about sketch and talk about how to implement that design specifically for iOS. Because the, the huge problem in this market is that, you know, we're still catching up with the web in the sense that designers are not part of the implementation process. Uh, unlike the web, where designers know how to code in CSS and HTML and some of them in JavaScript, not a lot of designers have open Xcode to explore Storyboard and Swift and animations and stuff like that. So I really took this problem seriously and I, I, I thought, well, why is there no book about this problem? Why is there no code coding book that are really, really visual and really result-oriented and talk about animation and talk about you know, adaptive layout and talk about, you know, doing very simple stuff like delivering assets uh, to the engineer, like, um, you know, participating in the, implement in the implementation process of the, the, the design they're making and actually not trash the result of their work. As, you know, because if you do CSS and HTML, you're not actually trashing the work. Um, the resolve is going to be used in the final product. Mm -hmm. And so why can't we do that for iOS as well? So that's, that was the big question I was asking myself. So I'm definitely in that position. So besides reading your book, do you have advice for people, uh, designers that are like maybe intimidated to start learning iOS and getting into that native mobile development world? Well, I, I guess, you know, my Start with reading his book. <laughs> first things first, yeah. <laughs> my, my whole story and, and I guess... What I really, what I'm really passionate about is really build, building products, and to me that includes every single process along the line. So that includes like um, you know the, the designing aspect, and eventually you know you, you learn more about the whole process, the coding, the development, and the marketing and stuff like that. To me, that all of that is part of building a product, and so I'm really really passionate about that, um, and I feel like we need to learn the whole thing and by learning the whole thing you can in turn be a better designer because then you are more aware of every single you know thing that all of your team is going through so that you know you lose less time in the process and there's less communication problems and there, there's less meetings and all those things so one conversation that has come up a few times is whether it makes sense to have designers on like larger teams and bigger companies actually be working on production code say it like twitter right like should a designer be building production code absolutely not they don't have to i mean i think i speak for myself when i say that you know do production code if you can do it and if your team needs you to do it but don't do it if you know, someone else is doing better than you. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do any code at all. Right. Right? You can still do code that can, you know, at the basic of it, be used. At least the logic is similar to the same logic that your engineer is using. It's like native code as, as right. a prototype. So, for example, if you use code, you know, let's say from an example, and I'm not against any of these tools, but like Macau or Dreamweaver, well, that code 
may be very, very different from, or even the origami or anything that you do. I mean, the origami doesn't actually do code, but let's say uh, it, it exports some code. Um, that can be extremely different from the actual production code. But right. when you're actually learning CSS and HTML and JavaScript and Swift, well, that code that you create may not be production code, but can still uh, be referenced quite easily for the engineer. It speaks than, the same language. Yes, exactly. You speak the same language. That's why so many people are big advocates of Framer. Absolutely. It, yeah. it doesn't get you all the way, but you can maybe carry over some of the... Yes. Especially to web. Yes. Right, especially to web. Yeah. And and now that Swift is somewhat similar to JavaScript and, and, right. and you know, use, Framer is using CoffeeScript, I think you can see a lot of the same similarities. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing for me about designing or uh, learning iOS code isn't necessarily that I want to build my own apps. It's that I want to learn to design in the same thing that uh, my developers are building in because then I can just, instead of trying to translate static mocks to their language, I can just, I can give them a piece of dynamic code. And even if they don't use that piece, they can clearly see what it actually is. Like, I, I don't need to actually build the production code, but starting the same language seems like a really great way to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and if if you look at a trend, engineers have been learning, learning design for a while now. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if I look at the workshop that I'm doing, 50% of the people coming to my workshops are engineers. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because they're interested in learning design. So they're making that effort to understand where the design is coming from. Why don't we designers make the same effort to understand where the engineer is coming from? And I think that's going to be a really interesting shift, especially now that our plate is is kind of smaller. Like, you know, we don't have to work and sweat so hard on the on the static details. We can afford to sweat more and on the uh, you know the dynamic parts. And I think that's important because, you know, if you look at the problem in iOS right now, it's taking way too long to create a product takes about five to ten times longer than a website mm-hmm. and that is specifically because you know the designer doesn't get involved in the implementation process therefore giving uh the whole flow and the, the whole responsibility to the engineer so the engineer has to learn design the engineer has to learn animation the engineer has to learn everything mm-hmm. and as a result you know has the product has to be slower to ship that's a really good point yeah, I, I do most of the CSS for us. Like, even though I'm not technically an engineer or anything, I end up doing all that design side stuff in the implementation. I think I've gotten too comfortable on like the website and like getting into iOS and Xcode is just feels like a huge gap to take. Like, it's a huge time investment and everything. Big learning curve. Big learning curve. Yeah, it's a big learning curve because I I think it's because um, modern apps, as in general, is a big learning curve regardless mm-hmm. if it's over the web or for iOS. That's true. Because, you know, to, to shift from, you know, a website that is based on HTML and CSS and, you know, you click on a link and it takes two seconds to refresh compared to an Angular website or Meteor website or Node.js is a big learning curve in general, Sure. Mm-hmm. right? And I, this is something that you have to learn. But if once you, you, pa- you get past that, you can learn any platform you want because that's a modern app. That's what users want nowadays. You know, if you look at all of these most popular websites and 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 designs and and apps, they're all modern. They're all modernized, mm-hmm. and we need to learn that as a designer, regardless of the platform that we're choosing. I loved this one graphic. Uh, it was like why coding is so hard. 
and it shows like the very beginning process is you're getting your hand held like by wherever you're learning from whether it's like code academy like hold your hand through the process and then as soon as you start doing anything intermediate it just gets like it just gets insanely harder and people get stuck and quit yeah and and but but see i don't think that the hard part is is really that bad to go through because i think working hard is so important regardless of what you're doing so if if you're the kind of person who gives up easily on learning the hard parts then you're not going to be very successful at anything else yeah design then design engineering yeah so if you want to create let's say a successful product well tough luck you know you're gonna have to build a business you're gonna have to maybe learn code you maybe you're gonna have to have amazing communication skills so you should not give up that's the first thing that's the first thing you learn about anything you should never give up and you should always keep pushing very very hard and I think code, what is really amazing about code, and that's why I think a lot of engineers are really good at building companies, is that, you know, you really learn how to not give up and, you know, keep pushing and keep that's, working. There's a lot of head banging, <laughs> like just smashing your head against a wall until yes, it finally absolutely. breaks down. Yes. It hurts, but it's so worth it when you get through. Yeah. Absolutely. I would say that a lot of companies out there, a lot of startups want designers who can code. Mm-hmm. Um, because that shows the, the, the kind of attitude um, that you need in order to succeed in any company. And a lot of you know, designer founders are, are, are very familiar with technologies and code in general, I think. I'm curious now that material design and the whole Android world seems to be catching up yep. in terms of... Design focus? Design focus, yeah. Do you have interest in, in moving in that direction as well, like going beyond Swift and... Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I really, really want to learn Android at some point. And uh, I'm just waiting for them to kind of come up with an amazing tool like Xcode. Because I really, really love Xcode. Ever since I use Xcode, I'm like, why can't we do this on the web? Like this, this, this stuff is so visual and so easy to use in terms of like the auto-completion and the whole framework, the whole documentation that is inside the application. Uh, storyboard itself is super easy to use at least once you get mm-hmm. past that fear of like having so many options thrown at you <laughs> once you get past that you learn that xcode is really really fun um, to use so i'm just waiting for the same shift to happen on android side now android side is very code focused right now and, um, and it's I know java that, which is woof. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, we have the, the fragmentation, which is getting solved. You know, it's getting better. Um, and I guess, you know, material design, which came, I think that it's going to simplify and make design a lot more consistent for Android. So I think this year and next year is going to be the perfect time for me to start learning that or for any designer for that matter. Yeah, I think iOS for some reason for me it feels like such a natural next step but i've never even thought about a lot of people head that way and the long-standing explanation has been that it's more profitable which makes sense to me i mean it depends some, something like 50 percent of android users don't download any apps which yeah. is just an insane number I, I i think that as a designer your job is to understand you know your customers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what kind of you know behavior that they have like if you're designing for android i would probably take the problems very differently so you have more users perhaps you know they're not as pro consumers for example mm-hmm. so i would probably not do a design tool for for the android platform but i would definitely do it for for ios but i would probably do like something like snapchat or 
um, something like a social network more on Android because there then you have more users who don't has the critical pay. mass. And also, yeah. if if your revenue model is it ad based, probably go for Android first. If your revenue model is more like, you know, uh, pay up front pay, in the app store, yes, then you should probably go iOS. So I guess my point here is is more like to understand each platform and design a product based on that and choose the product based on which platform you want to design for. That's a fair point. I love that you got so well known through just blogging and putting out free content. Um, are you still doing that? And Yeah, so I think it's important to, to do free content and I think that um, a lot of designers do that. Obviously, I think it's great to be able to contribute to to community and I do that very often. But at the same time, what I would like to see from designers is for them to to challenge themselves more and say, well, I'm going to put this as free and I'm going to try to to see if I can sell this, right? And and the reason is, is, is not about money. It's, you know, money is to me is something that enables me to follow my passion. So I do want to see more designers to be more serious about their craft. So if they can make a living, which is what I'm trying to do right now, like I would never be able to travel for two years if I couldn't charge. Mm -hmm. So, but because I was able to charge and because the book got successful, I got really, really serious with the book. And I was, you know, tuning out updates and, you know, really frequent updates. And I even, you know, came up with the, uh, the the spring library and I came up with the the Apple GUI, which I gave up for free and all that stuff. So I would never be able to do that if I didn't, you know, somehow manage to sell the book. So I want designers to be a bit more ambitious and say, well, you know, I'm going to try to sell this and see where it goes. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least I tried. And I can always get it for free at the end. But, you know, to say that I'm just going to make this for free and maybe spend just two days on it, Perhaps that's not the best route or let, it's not the best learning experience that you can get at least because I think resilience and, and long-term you know, uh, concepts can really, really go a long way, right? I think any product, you know, the launch is really amazing, but what really determines a product is the days after or the months after. How do you deal with the problem? How do you deal with the feedback? How do you deal with the market? changing right and all those questions the designer have to ask themselves and and really come up with with you know long-term solutions or at least solutions that will help the business or at least um the goal that they had well so for you how did you come up with a pricing strategy for the book and how did you come up with a support strategy and updating things like how did you approach that whole process i always approach this problem with well if I was to follow my dream and if I was to be really, really happy about doing this book, how much would I charge people? That, that's the first question I ask myself is if I'm going to do this full time and if I'm going to be really, really happy doing this, how much would I charge someone, right? And there's always a price for quality. So for example, you know, I'm happy to pay $2,000 for a MacBook Pro because I know with this, I can build a website, I can make a living out of it. So the book is the same. So, you know, I think that I knew that there was some value, at least I knew that if people learn this, 
they can, you know, ask for a raise, for example. And that is somewhat a long-term, or at least like a big win for them. So if they invest, let's say, 50 bucks, and which isn't say, huge, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not a big thing. I mean, if if you look at these courses or these traditional schools, they charge you know upwards of eight thousand dollars for any, you know, you know, several weeks course, right? And you know, it's debatable if you're going to learn as much. That's another story. But I think you have to understand the value of your product, and also you have to ask yourself, you know, how much would you charge to be happy doing it? Full time, and so I came up with this number. I thought the number makes a lot of sense. I didn't want to charge anything less than, you know, twenty bucks or thirty bucks, just because I wanted to put a lot of content on it. I wanted to put a lot of uh, free resources, such as, you know, the sketch files and the Xcode projects, and I, I wanted to be able to do this full time. So I came with with this price, um, and it it made sense. After you launched, did you do any formal marketing for it, or did it just spread by word of mouth? Yes, uh, you do need the initial marketing. You you cannot launch a product without any marketing and just expect it to explode. So what did you do? That that's just impossible. Um, so, you know, I think I'm lucky enough, and I guess you can call it luck or you can call it otherwise. But you know, it's something that I build up over the years. You know, talking about sketch and. You know, being active on Twitter and seeing what posts work and what posts don't work. Um, it's a learning process. And that's why I keep saying, you know, like designers have to learn all this and have to make mistakes and have to keep, you know, trying things out and see what works and what don't work. And eventually, when you learn these things, you'll know. You'll, you'll just know eventually that, okay, if I do this, it's not going to work as well as if I do this. And so when I launched the, the book, I knew to some degree that some people would would want that because they told me that they From did. your existing audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and in, in fact, you know, looking at the, you know, at, at the the post that I made on Medium and on my, my own website, I can see a lot of interest. I can see a lot of people interested in learning that and a lot of questions being asked. Now, the challenge was how do I stitch all of this content together to make it in, in a consistent experience. And so that was the next level. And to me, it's always about moving forward, right? Never moving backward. If, you, if you're doing something and you start something really, really simple and it works, then you, you should think about taking exactly that formula and just taking it to the next level, right? Like saying, okay, well, now I have this page, which is on Medium. It has maybe... Uh, a thousand, maybe 500 words. Well, just give yourself a goal. The next time you're going to build something, and if especially if you're going to charge money, maybe 10x that. So take it to the next level. 10x, yeah. And that's what I did. Is it really only 50,000 words? Or no, 5, no, no. 5,000 words, mean, sorry? So, yeah, there's a lot more than that, especially in the <laughs> latest in the latest version. It seems like it's updating a lot. It's, like, I was very yeah, impressed. Yeah. I think there was an update even since I bought it, which was not that long ago. So I, I was impressed. It's, yeah. I, I do, you know, put a lot of updates and I'm going to do another huge update uh, after Monday, which is, you know, iOS 9. So I'm really, really excited to uh, dig in more into the Apple Watch, iOS 9, um, the sketch new features. And I'll, I'll also have some secret content that I'm working on, which I can't speak Ooh. right now. Because Not even yeah. a little sneak peek? 
Well, it's about prototyping, and right. it's gonna be. I, I think it's gonna be huge, and I, I have a good feeling about this. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything you're really looking for after Monday? Um, you mean from Apple or yeah. in general? Yeah. It, you said you have a big update coming out. Are you expecting anything big on the Swift front? I've noticed a lot of focus there in the last couple updates. Yeah. Um. So, iOS nine is gonna be interesting, and you know, um, I guess I'm really excited about. Xcode in general, like what 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 problems that Apple is gonna solve? Like like every single year, they really really improve Storyboard and also Swift. Obviously, um, I hope they come up with something. And also, I'm really excited about OS X. Apparently, you know, a lot of the developers are really excited about having a new framework for OS X. OS X uh, for the Mac has this old framework that is just really really hard and doesn't have a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Doing basic stuff like dragging and stuff like that is really hard. And like it's not like iOS UI Kit, which has all of that prepared for you, and you can just do it very easily using the framework. Is what you're referring to the uh, rumored UX Kit? Yeah, you, no, UI Kit is from iOS, mm-hmm. and uh, Coco is is for uh, is for um, you know OS X, which is the Mac. I had heard a rumor after photos that there was a reference to something called UX Kit, and they were expecting yes. that to be yes. And that's what I'm, I would really love to see, because I want to be in this market. I want to be in the market of the pro consumers. Mm-hmm. I want to be in the market for designers and developers because I'm already in this market with a book. I just want to create a tool um, that you know is going to make is going to solve some problems for designers. And right now. You know, there's many routes that you can take, which one is the website, depending on what, what you're trying to build. And then there's the iOS, which I think may or may not be ready yet because I don't think there's a lot of pro consumers yet on iOS, but I'm sure it will grow eventually, especially with the iPhone 6 Plus having a giant screen and, you know, mm-hmm. having so much technology and, and performance, which is going to attract a lot of pro consumers. So eventually... Um, all of that is going to help. But for now, I, I really feel strongly that the website and OS X is, are the perfect platform if you're building a tool for designers or developers or you know, people in tech. I would agree with that. I think designers are living on the laptops a lot more than... I think even more than that. Like Most companies uh, seem to be moving to Macs entirely, or like startups, at least here. At least here. At least here, yes. So we ha- we're having a, a summer intern join our team on Monday. Ooh, wow. Nice. She very timidly requested that she get a Mac because that's what she's used to, and we were like, "Okay, but which one?" Like th- that wasn't an option. <laughs> you had to get a Mac. <laughs> I thought that's yeah. very interesting because where I come from in the Midwest, at old school like printing companies, getting a Mac is like hard. It's very difficult. Like people are not living that way, even if they're doing really intense development or, um, especially web development where a lot of the best tools are on Mac right now. Well, actually, that or design. A lot of people are on PC. So you have the benefit of having traveled around the world and you've worked with designers in all these different cities. What are things that you're seeing happening around the world that um, maybe we're missing here in Silicon Valley or that they they are catching up on or anything well, that you've Well, noticed? China is definitely uh, a big change uh, like compared to what we're experiencing here. So, you know, China to me is like compared iOS to Android where like, you know... We're we're kind of in a wall garden in in a way, and everything else is happening in China. <laughs> There's just so many users. If if you have a product with one one million users in China, 
comparatively would be 10 million users or 100 million users. And that's really huge. Um, so it's, it's really about the masses and, uh, and uh, you know, understanding how, you know, payments work and, um, you know, like th- th- there are some interesting posts about QR code that works in China. So I, I, I still have to understand about that because I, I, I just don't get your QR code at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, apparently it <laughs> works in China. Really? Yes. Wow. Like they use it for, um, for what? Promotion and stuff like that. Like uh, I worked on know. QR code promotions and marketing stuff for the longest time. Yes, it just me wasn't too. worth Nobody it. Nobody here, yeah. that never stuck, right? Nobody could figure it out. No, they're kind out. of a joke. Yeah. I mean, NFC came in so fast and everyone's like, okay, NFC is better. But NFC still costs a lot more than printing a QR code. So it just never, neither of them really took off until just recently with the payment stuff. I don't, I don't think people use NFC things anywhere else. Yeah, what, like what else are you noticing around the world? Because I feel like there's got to be so much that we're missing here. Not specifically. Uh, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't call myself, uh, you know, an expert in, in China. I, I would say that I didn't stay that long in China, to be honest. I, I stayed very long in Hong Kong. Uh, I know that Android is very big in China, uh, in Hong Kong too. But people, I guess, are typically more passionate about iOS in general. Like... Um, and there are startup, there are startups everywhere, including in China, especially Shanghai and Hong Kong. Um, and Gold is really, really popular in China. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert. But uh, what I will say is that people really tune in to whatever happens in Silicon Valley. That's for sure. Um, now we're not. People in Silicon Valley are not doing the same thing for China, unfortunately. No, nobody here. Well, not nobody. It seems a lot less common to think about designing new products with the world in mind. Right. A lot so, more like so for example, you know, like um, you know, Alipay, which I I started implementing for Design Plus Code thanks to Stripe supporting that. Uh, they have like almost a billion users, which is insane. So, if you're not thinking about accepting payments you know the same the you know understanding the culture of china then you're really really missing out eventually and uh, another thing that i heard is that you know translating your content is really important like one of the most important things that you can do for your product um are you doing that yet i haven't done that just because i'm alone doing apple's been pushing globalization very heavily but it is for a long time if you see apple doing something in china try to do it because <laughs> yes yeah. i mean apple doing gold iphone is not for 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 no reason and apple supporting all of these different banks and um you know and and really pu- putting a lot of focus in china is is not for nothing and you know their market share or not their market share but their market cap and the profits that they're making reflects that so you know uh, localization is huge because china a lot of chinese they don't understand english um, Japan is another uh, place that I stayed for four months, and um, not a lot of people in Japan understands English. So you better translate your content to Ch- to Japanese and and Chinese if you want to really get the masses. I would say. What's the design culture like in those places? Is it similar to here, where it's becoming more respected and integrated into the whole process, or where are they at? Yeah, so they're they're definitely trying to catch up, but definitely nowhere near San Francisco. However, it doesn't have to. They don't have to. 
you know, they have their own ideas, you know, they have their own sure. ways of doing things. And uh, that's the whole power of local localization is that you, you, you are supposed to design for the people in your country or in your city. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they tune in to the best of our world, but they're applying to their world. And that's why it's so, what they're doing is so smart. And if we are smart, the people here, then we should be doing the same, taking inspiration from them and then applying to our, you know, our culture here. I can get down with that. It's it's a big part of the diversity push. I feel like yes. is is spreading that and understanding the actual markets instead of just assuming you do, kind of naively. Yeah, you've been doing all these workshops. Have those been part of your travel, like a significant chunk, or have they been a lot back here, or how does that work for you? Yeah, so I, I try to be smart about the travels. Like obviously, if I didn't make any money, um, you know, the travels would be cut short. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the workshop was a way for me to say, well, I'm going to go to this city. I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to meet with all of these people and I'm going to make some money uh, at the same time and teaching these people uh, in person, which I think is important because, you know, a lot of people are not, you know, as as courageous as they, they want to be. So they, they need someone to kind of, like you said, hold their hands and just, just you know, get them to the starting point. And that that's a whole premise of the book right the book that i'm writing is really for people it's really to get them a starting point it's, it's really to, to give them a hand and say well this is not so scary after all like and then you know get them to a point where they're they're like really getting passionate about the product and you know do things and you know push to another level and then eventually they don't really need my book anymore at that point they can just learn from any other book out there uh, which are more complex typically, but um, you know the book works really, really well for people who never coded before mm-hmm. and people who never designed before. So, for example, I have this 13 years old boy who started and came. He came to my workshop in London uh, about I think eight months ago, and uh, he's never, never touched a MacBook before. Wow. In, in fact, he saved all this money to buy a MacBook in preparation for the workshop and so he came with his mom brought his macbook and you know it was just so amazing to see him like get involved and you know it's one thing to teach someone something but it's 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 another thing to see them follow up with it and and do something with the skills that they learned and so this you know this this boy he you know he 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 goes to school full-time obviously Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, when he, he's got some free time, he would, you know, continue his knowledge and he, he would go to, you know, you know, download another course and another course. And one of them is called Udemy, which is, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, allows you to create like 13 apps or something. And so he, he did that and then he learned all of these skills and then he applied for the scholarship and then he, 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 he won. And then he, he, I just met him yesterday and she, he showed me the app that he made. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I have a video. It's it's, it's really amazing. So, oh, well, the scholarship for WWDC. Yes, oh, yes. that's awesome. Yeah, he's one of the three hundred fifty uh, students who won a scholarship, and he's just thirteen years old. That's crazy. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, this what I'm trying to to teach is really, I'm trying to really help people get involved, and you know, it has to be. You know, you can be a beginner, you can be, 
you know someone who's young i think the young the better because then you can be more focused and you know you don't have all these uh luggage and you know this uh baggage that is very distracting to learning right mm-hmm. when you have so much in your mind how do i make money and all that stuff but when you're younger you you know you don't think about this you just want to learn this and just do it and so i think it's very effective to have this mindset so i can appreciate s- that i wish i had started that young like, i wish i'd started that'd young. be a lot more meaningful than playing a lot of sp- super smash brothers <laughs> Gaming is like a pretty common route into this world, though. Yeah. Like. I feel like it, it drives a lot of the interest because you have to dig in a little bit. Like, one of my earliest memories is like learning how to install the Sound Blaster card so I could play my Mickey Mouse game when I was like seven, <laughs> Aww, eight. Like, <laughs> but I, I, ever since then, I was always interested in computers. Like, I feel like that's certainly a, a route into it. I just didn't follow that soon enough. <laughs> what was your origin getting into computers and technology? Yeah, so it's for me it's the same as the gaming, and um, you know I learned how to create maps for Dota. Like when Dota came out, which which is amazing. Like Dota is actually a, a Warcraft three map that someone decided to do. In Defense this, of the Ancients. So. Yes. Yeah. Which is like a you know uh, a few hundred million dollars in business right now or more. Um, but yeah, you know it started as a Warcraft three map, and that's that was the first thing that I I, I learned how to script when I was younger. And uh, after that, I you know you know I, I love doing game. I, I think gaming is interesting. Gaming is really interesting because like it teaches us so much about interaction design, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so far ahead of what we see today in user interface design in general. If you if you do any game, go to see any of these games, you would be amazed at all of these animations that they do. It's way ahead of anything we see. On, on, on the device that we, we use every single day. So gaming is, to me, a huge inspiration. I think we can learn so much about gaming. And for example, you know, gaming is natural to walk your user through onboarding. Like, mm-hmm. yes. Right? It's, it's you, know, you know, it shows you, okay, you go to this place and then this person t- tells you, you know, this is how you get started and you start learning gradually about the features so that is an amazing onboarding game, and that's why gaming is so easy yeah. for anyone, you know, to to get into. So we can definitely learn a lot from gaming. What games are you into right now? Well, <laughs> when you have time, I actually wasted one month just lately, like this year. One straight month? They're just <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, impressive. I was playing Heroes of the Storm. It's it's, oh, it's nice. really cool. Yeah, it, it just launched like you know a couple of days ago, hmm. but I was in the beta and. I wasted one month on that. One month is in like one month of consecutive hours? No, 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 no. Oh, you just like played it off and on. I don't think humans can survive that long on no sleep. Well, you know, like how it adds up. Like, oh, I've played a month worth of World of Warcraft. I don't know. Yeah, I I also wasted a lot of months for that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you know what? It, you know, whatever motivates you. And eventually you learn something from these stuff. Um, absolutely. You if know, you pay attention, if you like yeah, pay absolutely. attention to the absolutely. onboarding and the I'm, learning. I'm, I'm like super competitive. Like if I play a game, I cannot stop there and sucking. You know, I can't just yep. say, okay, I'm going to start this for one day. I'm, I'm going to suck and I don't care. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I have to play this. I have to get good at it. And if I don't get good at it, I'm not going to sleep. Do enough <laughs> grinding and fetch quests. and <laughs> That's and, a and dangerous mind. Like, well, you really suck. I think it. I think that really helps me. It, it really teaches you to be hardworking and to 
you know, do whatever it takes to get to your goal. And, you know, yep. I applied that to that every single day. Being competitive in your field is, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge motivator. Yeah. Absolutely. How do you feel about that, Brian? You don't seem very competitive. What's up? Uh, I don't know. I probably feel like... You're a helper, not a fighter. Yeah, I'm not really a fighter. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm not competitive. Only in, uh, in uh, uh, what's that game? Hearthstone? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Hearthstone is one of them. And he was just screaming at his iPad earlier. <laughs> I love Hearthstone. And I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I wish more games were like Hearthstone and we need more games like that. I lo- yeah, I think it's a good game and uh we were talking with Wilson about Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. Wilson Miner. He loves it. Yeah. There's a lot of design to it, especially I think the onboarding is actually the most interesting one because Onboarding right now is such a huge topic in web and iOS apps, right? Everyone's trying to figure it out. How do you onboard people? Consistently. Consistently. Because there's no like magic tool for it. Right. Or solution. Yeah. So people are still figuring that out. But like games have gotten very good at, at triggering that like dopamine release really mm-hmm. early and like building you up more and more and more. One of the funniest things about gaming is like we talked to Stone Randy, and he was talking about how their goal is to make it harder for people and and make them have to overcome something really difficult. And that's when like... The dopamine release happens yeah the onboarding the is yeah the yeah. onboarding is the only time in the entire game where they're trying to help the person yeah, yeah. otherwise it's all like obstacles yeah which, uh, understanding psychology is is so important for any designer i mean you, you can create a, a tool you can create a, a product but if you can't get your, your user to use it then it's worthless yeah you have to get them really really involved and really build a community get them addicted you know it's funny to say, but Shadowness, which is a community that I did, I had people who got so addicted to it just because of the gamification that I features that I used. One of them was experience points. So if you post a comment, <laughs> you get like four points. If you upload an artwork, uh, you get like three points. And people were so like <laughs> amazed and, and so addicted to, to that idea. And some of them would spend the whole day like, 12 hours a day just posting comments and getting like 3,000 comments a day. There was one person who did that and I was just, wow, like how do you do that? But, you know, that that really taught me something valuable, which is how do you create a product that really resonates with people and, yeah. and have them so involved and so passionate about it that, you know, they would spend many, many hours on it. Have you found other things besides just gamification that have helped with that? Uh, I mean, gamification, uh, I mean, having really good product, uh, making sure that your product is not too simple. So I know that a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to make my product as simple as possible. But what about the features? Like you have to make, give it enough features so that people are passionate about it. If it's too simple, it's sterile. And if mm-hmm. it's sterile, then people are not going to, you know, you can't just be on the side. Like you can't just be in the middle. You have to kind of, be in the extremes right you have to you know you have to have a a bit of controversy and 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 that's for a reason why the you know the most sticky news are the most controversial news because they're not like okay someone made five bucks well what is controversial about (laughs) that um you you know you you have to have some you know something that really screamed to the person like a shocking factor or so how do you feel about I guess you could call it the MVP mindset right now. Yeah. Where everyone's trying to just ship as soon as possible. Um, the most basic that. product. Do you agree I, with that? I hate that. You I mean, I, there's so many products that has so much potential. 
yet all they did was create something that they did maybe in one day or two. Wow, great, congrats. But what after that? You know, what do you do with it after afterwards? How do you deal with the feedback? And then they just, they just stop and they go back to their full-time job, which, you know, if that's what you, if that was your goal, great. But I think you can do so much more. And I think not only do you can do so much more, but the users can really benefit so much more from it. So one example is, for example, you know, a lot of the plugins for Photoshop or Sketch, you know, amazing content, amazing ideas, but they take it to here and then they stop there. Now, I understand, you know, why they're doing it, but what if they took that and say, wow, a lot of people are actually downloading it, it's free. What if I take this and I take it to the next level? And charge for it. And charge for it. How many millions can you make, right? And that is the big question. Is anyone out there selling Sketch plugins right now? No, but he could. If Mark Edwards should be selling his Bajango action scripts because everyone I know, like the first thing that they say when you download Photoshop is get Bajango's action scripts. What do those do? I've super important. I mean, here's an example. But you're like not a designer, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Here, now that you say that, you're just not. I'm sorry. Here's Wait, an what example. So we have oh, Sketch sorry. plugin called Measure. And when Sketch Measure launched, everyone was crazy about it because... It solved a really main issue called, you know, how do you style get your design, right? And 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 Zeppelin, which is a tool that took that problem and, and they saw it and they they're like, we're gonna we're gonna build a tool that is gonna solve exactly that problem and we're gonna charge for it. And they're doing really well. Do you, how much are they selling their product? Well, for? they they haven't launched officially yet, but you know they have many many users who are very passionate about the concept. Um, right. But yeah, you know, like very simple things. It's, it always starts with sim- something simple. Just take it to the next level. Yeah. Basic and clear are two different things. Basic just isn't good enough. But clear and elegant is really important. It's it's not making it like so easy that people can just be like lazy and worthless. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but of course, all this is easier said than done, right? Like it's hard when you're actually building it to know yes. what is that point. Yes. When is this ready? When is it? When do we have the right number of features to not waste any more time and like try and see if people actually care about this. Yeah, well, and, testing and is important for that. You don't have to release something fully. You can test it for that. Sure. Right. Right. If you're not having like sleep, sleep last night over how much you should charge your product, then you're not there yet. <laughs> I think, you know, I think you have to get through that experience. And, you know, for me, it's so important. I mean, I, I'm forever grateful to have, you know, experience San Francisco, for example, for a year. And that taught me everything. Uh, to have travel, you know, like that taught me everything. To have played games, to have, um, you know, written book, um, you know, work with engineers and stuff like that. So it, it, all of these things really teach me everything about the way that I design, the way I, I ship products, the way that I market the products. And, uh, you know, you have to learn this thing. Eventually, don't give up. Brian, just stop giving up. I'm not giving Eventually, up. you'll get there. All <laughs> it's right? just the it's the time, right? Which is fine. It's just a matter of putting in the time. Yeah. Prioritization. But, I mean, right. you're doing something amazing with the design details. I, I think that a lot of people really appreciate it's okay. the post. Yeah. The podcast and the post. Oh, well, the podcast and the post. Yeah. How long has it been since you did a post? It has been approximately six weeks which is too long. Don't give up, Brian. Yeah, those posts have been interesting. 
Now uh, the question the, the question is how do you take it to the next level? Right? Yeah. Yes. What the hell, man? Get it together. And think about it, but it's just it's just the time, especially when we started doing the podcast, which this isn't crazy. Well, it's becoming pretty time intensive. Mm-hmm. Um with what we're trying to do with it. But like I, I don't know, there's so much more you could do with the design details style blog posts. Like, oh yeah, there's a lot right. of things. It's just But here's do the I want to be spending 10 right. hours on a blog post. How much do, do you need to charge in order to do this full time? That's that's the question I would have to ask. There you, you. go. That's the question we've been asking. How do you make that Facebook money? <laughs> well, we were asking um, at what point do we do the podcast full time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, the answer is. There. And right. do we want to is another good question. Yeah, and that's and another question. Do, right. do, do you want to be a podcaster who talks about design or do you want to be a designer who podcasts? Right. Which is a hard yeah. question. And, and that's the, the question I'm trying to answer myself. Like, do I'm am I a designer who build products or am I a designer who teach designers right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. But that's fine because like, you know, everything that I learned even by doing the the book is not just strictly book. Like I'm building literally a product. It's yeah. a website and a website that uses Angular. It's gorgeous too. <laughs> thank you. Wow. But <laughs> a website that uses Angular that uses parse and all of this backend stuff. A website that you know send updates regularly so it's not that much a book it's really a product and yes you know i treat it very much like a product and in that in that sense you know i'm learning a shit ton about products what are you in the middle of learning right now what are the new things well the business aspect is something that i'm really really learning right now because this is something i really sucked before um which is why i have to close shadows unfortunately um, but you know, I'm glad I have, to, I don't have to do that with design plus code and I can keep doing it, but you know, answering to emails and figuring out what, what features that people want and what is next and taking the opportunity meeting with people, um, you know, and, uh, and figuring out how to build a team now so that the the next step for me is to build a team. Oh, so you are going to hire. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I already have someone oh. and, uh, it's an iOS engineer He's uh he's gonna travel the world to come to meet me and work with me, and uh, I already have set the budget for him, and uh, you know for a year. So we, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's 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 amazing. We're gonna build some amazing tools together, and uh, yeah, you know, like I would never be able to do that if I, you know, didn't think about all of this business stuff. Yeah, I feel like that's where. I know I get hung up on is I just don't want to spend the time. Like that's why Bryn has been so helpful because Bryn will sort of take charge on some of the business side of things. But by, uh, by heading into design and uh, code and computery things that my family doesn't understand, I was the letdown because I didn't go to law school like the rest of my family. You are a disappointment, Bryn. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense though. Well, I didn't go to school, so I dropped out early. Yeah. I dropped out of a music program. They yeah. were not thrilled about that. <laughs> Do you have, any opinion one way or the other for people that are either about to go to college or currently in college? I, I think it's, it's all about the passion. You know, you shouldn't, you should never do whatever, whatever everyone else thinks you should do, do the opposite. That's all I can say. Don't Always. go to Baylor. Yeah. I mean, like if you don't feel like it, just don't do it, you know, like do something <laughs> else, play games whatever you know like eventually you're gonna get so poor or so <laughs> you're gonna uh, be so, so drunk that you're gonna have to say <laughs> that you're gonna have to say well i have to i have to do something about my life and at that point that is the pivotal moment of your life where where you're gonna pass from someone 
who doesn't who didn't know what to do with 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 their life and someone who can be extremely successful was it a very conscious choice for you to not go to school or was yes absolutely you know i just i just knew i couldn't learn anything at school and anything. especially <laughs> well anything i i mean anything useful anything you cared about immediately useful i mean the the, the whole thing about the stuff that I do is, is really everything I do have to be immediately useful. It's, it can be, you know, learning code. It can be learning design. You know, I have to be learning because I'm building something. So I need this skill immediately. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't do that, then I would never be able to ship the product. And I would never be able to learn these skills um, because it, then it, would be, it wouldn't stick in my mind. So... Yeah, do something crazy. Do something shocking. Do something that you believe in that nobody believed in, right? Do something um, that, you know, wakes you up and uh, gets you crazy and gets yeah. you frustrated. and Gets you crazy. Yeah. I like that. This I mean, is a... Hmm? You good? What? Go. I was just going to say, like, the people that are just impressing me the most right now are the people that just constantly put stuff out there like whether i don't know actually maybe we can talk about this for a minute i see this trend of like when designers get maybe bigger like working at big companies they like stop putting out stuff but all the younger designers coming in are the ones that are like grinding and putting out side projects and writing blog posts like interesting you think so i don't see many of the a lot of designers write blog posts Mm -hmm. but a lot of the really well-known designers don't but they did they did to get started so why does that drop off do you think it's because you get hired for the work you do on the side and people are already in that mindset i i i think it's just about you know being hungry you know like if if you're hungry then you're you're you have to do it you know you have to to do something and when you're comfortable then you have the choice not to do it which basically a lot of people decide not to yeah i see that a lot i'm just kind of sucks because the people that are at like that next level of in their design career when they stop writing like there's not as much reference for people that are going to get to that stage on like how to progress through that stage like right now as a young designer there's infinite resources to get through that first stage to become somewhat proficient and then there's you know a little bit less resources to become intermediate but when you get into the advanced world there's just like less and less people writing about the really big hard problems i guess we, we we grow up to learn to be less creative i mean i think you know some of the the talks out there talk about that a lot is uh you know when you're a child you know you're you tend to be more creative because you don't have these constraints you don't have these uh people telling you not to do things um i think also that you know when when you're at at a certain level you you, you tend to to fear making mistakes more or you know, you tend to watch everything that you do to make sure that it's at a level of quality that that people expect you to, or at least you think that way. Um, and so, you know, you tend to you know, take more time to do things. Um, so I see a lot of people, I see a lot of successful people who actually put out a lot of stuff. And typically those people are, you know, they, they, they have a certain principle in which they, they, they want to, keep being creative and they keep they want to keep being hungry and it's definitely possible mm-hmm. you know it's definitely possible for for anyone young or, or old to you know keep pushing stuff but you're right that the younger one tend to, to push more because they you know they have nothing to lose 
Are you scared of making mistakes? I'm not. Absolutely not. not. No No fear at all? No. Absolutely not. How'd you get over that? Um, I I guess it's just, uh, uh, you know, I I do a lot of shit, you know. (laughs) And uh, I'm used to to doing shit. And so (laughs) eventually you just do it. You don't, you don't, you don't you think, to, you, you, you know, it's not that you stop caring. You definitely care about it or worrying about. Yeah. It's just that you don't worry because right. the worrying part is, is the, the part that really frees people from doing things. And, um, you definitely care. Like, yes, I, I yeah, think that caring is, worry. is one of the most important things that you can have for anything that you do. You have to care, but you know, if you really care, then you shouldn't care. You shouldn't, you know, be afraid to, um, you know, to do stuff. I think we're time. Yeah, that's a great place to end. Uh, before we go, anything you want to plug? Of course, we've been talking about the book, but maybe... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that at this point, um, I plug enough the book. <laughs> and uh, I, no, I mean, that's not really part of my intention. It's just part of my story and it's mm-hmm. just part of the sure. the way I am. I, the one, I want, you know, to help people. Um, what I will say, though, before I go, is that it is you don't have to be in San Francisco to succeed. And I, I know a lot of designers think that, you know, I'm now never going to make it. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It's the Holy Land, yeah. Minnesota. <laughs> I'm not in Holy Land, therefore I cannot succeed in my life. But that's not true. All I can say is that you, you're not stuck, okay, first of all. Second of all... You can go to San Francisco and you don't have to live in San Francisco. You can go there for maybe a month or two, you know, and just meet people and keep building products and go back and then, you know, figure out your success. And you just you can just work from anywhere you want. And you can work from your home country. You can work anywhere in the world. You can be a nomad. You can be a non-nomad, you know, and... Uh, you can be successful. You don't have to be in San Francisco, but do something and just go to San Francisco just for fun, you know. Come say hi to us. <laughs> and and say hi to people and learn what makes, you know, products really good. And just don't be afraid to try things out. And eventually, once you figure this out, you, have the, you will have the ultimate flexibility to do what the hell you want at that point. You can work remotely, you can work in San Francisco if you wanted to because at that point you're gonna have the amazing fucking skills to so that any company is gonna want to have to hire you anyways. So just don't stop and don't give up and just you know think that you know you can travel, you can you know you can learn any skill you want. I love it. Thanks for taking the time to come chat. Absolutely, it's my pleasure and thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Cool. Cheers. Boom, you all know how to design and code now. If you don't, that's your own fault. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, uh, we would love to hear your thoughts, feedback, suggestions, comments. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM, or you can leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, a star rating or a comment there is so helpful. We love to read them. Of course, thank you so much to the sponsors that make this show possible. Huge, huge thanks to Icon Finder for sponsoring this episode. Icon Finder is the best way to find download and implement icons for your design projects. No matter what you're designing, no matter what kind of icon you need, Icon Finder is going to have it for you. They have hundreds of thousands of icons. They're adding thousands more every single month. They're supporting the community of icon designers. And when you sign up for Icon Finder Pro, 
uh, 70% of that revenue goes back to the original creator. So it's an amazing service. It's great for the community and they are amazing for supporting us. So go to iconfinder.com, sign up for iconfinder pro and use the promo code robot to get 50% off your first month. And also thanks once again to Adobe. Uh, we couldn't be more excited about having the granddaddy of design uh, sponsoring us because just having that backing is incredible. We've all been using them forever and now they're like really coming hard to like help us, which is incredible. Uh, really going after the community. If you're a UI designer, um, check out the new Photoshop CC 2015. They have tons of new tools, new features that make creating UIs uh, incredibly easy. Go to adobe.com and check out Creative Cloud Suite 2015. We'll also have a link directly to all the new features in Photoshop uh, in the show notes. Thank you again to Adobe. We'll see you on Wednesday with Julie Zhu.